told me he had two kids when we first met, but I guess it was just, you know, loud or something. I did not hear him. <laughs> I did not hear him. I did not know he had two children until we were on our first date. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. All right, folks, our podcast review challenge is over. We have the winners. Do we? Yeah. I spun the little wheel. I know. I saw that. You were like, put all the names in this little thing on the computer and, and it spun it for you and spit out names. It's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. I think we should do that for chores, except you'd be the only one on the wheel. <laughs> yeah. Notice he didn't say him or my son. It'd be Lori, 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 Lori. I work. What do I do? I don't play I've been golf. asking that question for a long time. <laughs> David, I'm running out of Nerf bullets. I know. I've got to go on Amazon and order me a 250 pack today. That's because I'm taking them when you're not looking. What? Look, we just got back last weekend. I know we record ahead of time, but we just got back last weekend from the Stepmoms Alive conference. And it was awesome, y'all. It was absolutely awesome. It, I had so much fun. It, it was it was awesome. And I noticed that when it was time for the men's panel, I'm sitting up there with a few more men. Lori's at the back of the room. And I noticed that the lady sitting right in front of me at the table has Lori's Nerf gun. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. There is something going on here. Yeah. I gave it to her and I said, you will probably need this. Mm-hmm. I'd have shot you several times, but I guess she was afraid. Uh, well, good. Yeah. I don't know that I like this whole, you know, getting other people to do your bidding type stuff. I couldn't sit up front. Good thing. Okay, so anyway, the Stepmoms Alive conference, it was awesome. Yes. David and I spoke, and I think it went pretty well. At least that's what people were telling us. I don't know if they just felt sorry <laughs> for me because I was so nervous, but it was okay. You weren't nervous. You did great. And thank you. See, I don't know if that's true or not, but okay. And it was fun watching David and the other men on the men's panel. That was hilarious because y'all know David. <laughs> I thought I did. Um, I thought I was well-behaved. How about that? You were well-behaved. I don't think we got kicked out of the community. <laughs> so that was very important. Yep. And then we had a leaders panel on Sunday that I was involved in, and that was great, too. Mm -hmm. I wasn't there. It was, it was but... really good. The whole thing was great. And got to hear Laura Petherbridge speak, and, oh, she is hilarious. She just cracked me up. And then Laura Beth Ferguson, which we have um, as a guest on our podcast that we will be releasing soon. She has an amazing story. There was not a dry eye in the house. Mm. And thank goodness there was lunch between her and us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, of course, I, I couldn't attend any of the things because apparently I'm uh, gender challenged <laughs> for, for, for that particular conference. And so I couldn't do it. But um, I did have fun hanging out with some of the guys and had... Um, I got some couples from the academy that showed up, and so I got to hang out with uh, with them. Shout out to Jason. Thanks for letting me hang out with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we met some, uh, what, some moderators from your Facebook group? and Yeah, we had um, a lady that 
I met in a, another stepmom group years ago, like right when Nacho Kids started. So 2013. So for seven years, I've known her. Wow. And I finally got to meet her. And then another lady, um, she is a moderator in our group. And they are just lovely people. And I'm so glad they got to come out with us. Yeah. So, yeah, I had a blast. It was great. Yeah. Wish it was a little bit longer, though. Yeah, I know. We flew in Friday night and left Saturday, Sunday morning. Yeah. It was almost like a one-day thing. Yeah. But anyway, let's get to getting... To the winners. To the winners. All right. Now, not to say that everybody else are losers. Yeah. None of you are losers. <laughs> this is just what the wheel determined. I know. So we had no say-so in this at all. <laughs> so the challenge was to leave us a review, fill out this form on a page David created on our website for the opportunity to win a free scholarship to the Academy. Right. And so you're going to give away three. One is a three-month, one is a six-month, and one is a full year to the Academy. Yes. Wow. And we haven't told these people yet, so I can't divulge their full name. Yeah. Probably not a good idea. So I'm going to tell you their first name and the first letter of their last name. Okay. Okay. All right. So, drum roll, David. Uh, hold on, let me get my desk. <laughs> the three month winner of the scholarship to the Nacho Kids Academy is Kaylin C. Woo! Congratulations, Kaylin C. All right, so next one, six month winner Kelly R. Kelly R. Congratulations. And then the biggin. Ready? This is the winner of the biggin, as David called it. <laughs> the free 12-month scholarship to the Nacho Kids Academy. Well, I guess the scholarship is free, right? Yeah. Okay. Y'all know what I'm saying. All Here right, it is. Hold on. Let me give you an envelope so you can open it. Okay. The envelope, please. There you go. What if you gave me the wrong name like happened on one of the That things? would be funny. Yeah. Okay. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It would be your fault because you put them in the envelope. <laughs> <laughs> The winner of the 12-month scholarship is Krista O. Congratulations, Krista O. o. We are o. so excited for y'all. We will be emailing you and giving you the details of what you need to do to claim your prize. Awesome. That was fun. That was fun. I think we should give away stuff all the time. Yeah, like a little Nerfy. <laughs> no, we're not giving away Nerfies. Because then everybody's husband and boyfriends and all that's going to get shot. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. It's like love taps. You know, when you were in kindergarten and the little boy would pick on you and just hit you because he liked you. So congratulations to the winners of the podcast review challenge. We are so happy for you and look forward to having you in the academy. That's right. So we can teach you some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's just go ahead and jump into talking about this interview. Okay. This interview is with a lady that has been a member of the Nacho Kids Academy for quite a while. Yeah. And we have seen her make great strides. Mm-hmm. And we are so proud of her and so happy for her. Yep. And... I was really excited to have her as a guest on our podcast because of the strides that she's made. And no, don't think all this came naturally to her. Like mm -hmm. me, it's something that she had to work on and put effort into. And it was just exciting 
to see her go from the brink of despair to where she is now. Yeah. And she's not the only one that we've seen this with in the Academy. Oh, no. Quite a few. Right. She's just one of the few that we were able to get to do a podcast right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes they get to the point where it's like, man, things are going great. I don't really, uh, I don't really need to talk about this. (laughs) Well, a lot of times you don't want to talk about it when things are going great because it'll bring up those past hurts. Yeah. Oh, I know. Uh, When we were starting the Academy and all that, actually way before that even, uh, you would get to a point oftentimes where just writing the articles for nachokids.com would bring back a lot of memories and then you wouldn't want to do it for a while. Or being in the Facebook group would bring back things and then you would be, you'd back off it for a while. Yep. PTSD, y'all. It's real. (laughs) Post-traumatic stepmom disorder. (laughs) And very few people know that we had tried to start or attempted to start a podcast um, several years ago. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't there. I couldn't do it. It brought back too many memories, too much hurt. it just made me angry all over again. And it's like you said, even writing certain things or reading other posts in the Facebook group there for a while, I had to step back. Yeah. I had to nacho to nacho group <laughs> because, and it's not that I completely got out of it. I just did, wasn't in it 24 seven or I would look at something and realize it was triggering an emotion and I would just step back. So a lot of times we don't realize that we carry this with us. Yeah. So imagine those people who aren't near as far along as you are, and yet they're going and visiting these Facebook groups and things like that. I mean, you, you put yourself in a situation where you, you almost can't get out of the negative mindset because you're, you're continuing to allow yourself to be fed all the negativity from everybody else that's in the struggle. Right. And I've seen in other Facebook groups, somebody will go, well, that nacho group is so negative. Well, it is. But that is because these people are struggling. They are there for a reason. They are there because society is beating them up because they don't love their stepkids like their own. They're there because their husband wants them to play mom to the stepkids. They're there because they are in a bad place. Or as Ariana will say today in our show, um, they were, she went through all types of groups and couldn't find anything that would work. Right. Until she finally joined the Academy. Yeah. And the Academy is the best place to learn the Nacho Kids process because it doesn't have that negativity. You've got a group of people that truly want help and they want to learn new things to, help them. They want to learn the tools. They want to learn not just the disengaging part. They want to learn the how to have a different perspective, how to have the pause like Ariana mentions. So there's there's so much more to it. And I love that we discussed that with her because one of the first things that she said to us was in other groups, there's a lot of misconceptions about Nacho Kids. And we know that. Oh, yeah. There's many groups that nacho, the word nacho has been banned. (laughs) It's not allowed. Hmm. I've received messages. Please do not mention nacho in our Facebook group or we'll have to boot you. You know, I've received hate mail over the years. 
but when was it that we originally started trying to do the podcast? Oh my goodness. Like it's, five years ago, yeah, six years been, ago? It, yeah. It's been a long time ago. Yeah. It was right after we started the website. It wasn't long after that. Yeah. Because we, I think we recorded maybe three or four episodes and they never actually aired. Yeah. Well, the we, lost episodes of the Nacho Kids podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, I wasn't comfortable doing them. <laughs> which I don't know that I was comfortable doing these in the beginning. No, you weren't. But, but you're awesome now. Oh, aren't you sweet? But I also, it's, like I said, I wasn't there. I was still healing. Even though I thought I had healed because I had reengaged with the stepkids. But bringing up that stuff, when we would talk about it, it would hurt. It would still hurt. Mm-hmm. And not that it doesn't still hurt some today when we bring up certain things about our struggles. Because... That was such a bad time for us, and I don't like thinking about it, but in order to help other people, I have to share that story. Well, I heard heard it mentioned once before, um, when things bad happen to you, if you can put a, put a purpose on it, it changes things. And I think that's where we we are now, is that everything that we went through, we've put a pur- purpose on it. I can't say it without <laughs> stumbling. Say purpose. We purpose. put a purpose porpoise (laughs) (laughs) you put a porpoise on it put a dolphin on it so um anyway yeah so we have a you know everything we went through we feel like it was for a purpose and we are using that to help other people and so because of that i think it changes how we look at it i never thought i would be sharing any type of experience that i had good or bad with the world and here we are airing our dirty laundry Mm -hmm. to the world not just to south carolina yeah, or to even, the world, or even the United States, as we'll learn today. Yes, <laughs> I was so excited when Ariana joined, and I found out she was from Hong Kong. I'm like, we've got somebody from Hong Kong in the academy. Yeah, and come to find out, she's from LA. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but she's you know like the country traveler. She yeah, just travels she everywhere. She's a country hopper. <laughs> uh, yeah, go ahead and use that phrase, country hopper. <laughs> yeah, uh, y'all will see why that's funny in a minute. Yeah. So yeah, we had a, an an awesome conversation with Ariana. About- and we've actually had her husband join us on a Q and A call one time. Oh yeah. Yep. And she said that he'll join more Q and A calls because his schedule is more flexible since they relocated. Well, remember he had to actually take time off of work. He took a vacation day. Yeah. To attend a nacho call. Yeah. I mean, you know that you were putting in the work and the effort when you are willing to take a vacation day. I love it when she said that he would say, when's your next nacho call? <laughs> yeah. Apparently there must be, she must be happier like right after those calls or something. So he looks forward to them <laughs> as much as she does. Yeah. Originally when we started the Academy, remember we were doing Q and a calls once a month mm-hmm. and it didn't take what two or three. And we were like, do y'all want, no, it probably didn't want even three. Oh uh, yeah. I think it was more like the second one. We had somebody, like send us a message or something was like, uh, can we talk to you before the next call? And right. I was like, you know what? Maybe. Well, and of course they could through the community, but there is a difference with messaging somebody. Oh yeah. Then there is speaking directly. Yeah. So then we decided to double it. Yeah. <laughs> and went to every two weeks. Yes. And even that, I think it's, you know, for us, it's like, whoo, it's here before you know it. But for people that are going through it, man, two weeks is a long time. Well, and that's why when you and I were talking about the Academy, and how we wanted to set it up, I reminded you that one of the good things 
about Mr. Butler, you know, the man that beat their not your kids into my head, was I could call him. If I was slap about to freak out or whatever, I'd call him and I'd say, Mr. Butler, I got a question real fast. And I mean, this wouldn't take three minutes of his time. Mm -hmm. And he would say, Lori, they are not your kids. (laughs) And I'd say, okay, Mr. Butler, thank you. (laughs) And it's just knowing that you've got somebody there to reach out to and that you don't have to wait another two weeks. So that's why we felt that the community part of the academy was so important. And you and I, either one of us or both of us are in there at least once a day. Mm -hmm. So to join the academy, you have access to David or I. Once a day. Every single day. And the replies aren't like on a Facebook reply. You know, we may reply on a Facebook message or um, in the group with some information, but we laugh because the replies in the Academy are more like novels. Oh, I know. They are long replies. Yeah. Because we want to help people. That's what our goal is. Yeah. Sometimes I'll even record like a video and post it or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, this, this is going to take a while. Matter of fact, we answered one today. It was a 30 minute response, mm-hmm. recorded response from you and I. Right. Wow. <laughs> well, it's easier than typing sometimes. Yeah. And but think about that. A 30 minute response. Right. Along with the five to six hour Q&A coaching calls a month because we schedule an hour for these Q&A coaching calls, but they always go. We need to change it and just go ahead and schedule two hours. No, because then it'll be four. <laughs> we'll have to start them at three o'clock in the afternoon to get to bed at a decent time. Yeah, but I do wonder if people that are new think, well, if I can't make it in this one hour time frame, then don't, you know, don't jump in late because it's not going to be there. Whereas we're, we're there. <laughs> That's true. All right. We need to talk about that. Then. <laughs> Because everything we do, we want it to help you. Yep. And I know a lot of times I'm not a salesy person. And so if I put in the Facebook group, you should join the Academy. I almost want to put, I'm not trying to take your money. I'm trying to help you. Yeah. But I don't know how to come across that way because I'm not the salesy type person. And, you know, it kind of makes me uncomfortable. And, but that is the best way we can help you. I'm telling you. You can learn more in the Nacho Kids Academy in 45 minutes than you can learn in the Facebook group. In 45 years. <laughs> no, that's a bit extreme, David. <laughs> Definitely in a week. Yeah. I mean, unless you search the videos that we did in the Facebook group, which a lot of people don't do. They just look at the last five posts and go off that. Yeah. And like we've said before, you've got maybe 10% of the people in that group, in the Facebook group that understand nachoing and give good nacho advice. The other people, they don't know. And we try to share it. But again, with the Facebook group, those posts get bumped down and it's just, it's difficult. And again, that's another reason we created the Academy because we realized that Facebook was not the best platform to teach people this method. No, no, because it's way too involved. And we'll talk about that in our interview with Ariana too, about how, how deep down the rabbit hole we go, it's not just about disengaging. Right. We talk with her about how nachoing, in quotation marks, is not just learning tools to help with the blended family, that she utilizes it in other areas of her life. And like another member of the Academy says, this is a way of life. It's not just for, to help blended families. Yeah. But 
it would be difficult to say, hey, join us as we teach you the nacho lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, that would be true. So it's a whole lot easier just to say it's a methodology. Yeah. But they do. It's funny, though, because they do get to a point where they go like, you know what? This is really a lifestyle. Well, and you're like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I remember sitting in a meeting one day at work after I had successfully nachoed the kids. And I went to say something and I was like, hmm, I'm going to nacho that. I'm just not going to say anything. It's not worth my time, my energy. It's not going to benefit anybody me saying that. So I'm just going to let it go. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't feel bad afterwards. I was like, hey, look at me go. <laughs> look at Lori keeping her mouth shut. You're Never like, thought that would happen. You're like, wow, this stuff actually works outside the house. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I tell people all the time, you know, I nacho Walmart or I nacho the car that's riding my butt driving down the road. Mm -hmm. Used to, I'd get so stressed and... You know, want to say bad things to them or tap the brakes, be like, you get ready to eat the butt of a Honda or <laughs> <laughs> something like that. But now I just pull over, let them pass me, get back on my merry little way. And guess what? I'm not sad or I'm not mad. Nope. I'm a very happy nachoer. <laughs> oh, by the way. Uh oh. You got some, you got your shirts in today, right? Was it today? Yes, I got my nacho shirts in from the nachokids.com slash store. Yeah, so we created a store uh, that sells what t-shirts and coffee mugs and stickers and all that kind of stuff. And so, of course, you have to go in there and order all kind of stuff. <laughs> well, I've got to be able to tell people about the size fitting and the quality of them. And Yeah, actually, know. I was shocked. The soft shirts that you ordered? Really good. Like they're going to be good sleepy shirts. Like those are like really good quality shirts. Yeah, they've got their normal t-shirt, their something soft shirt, then like an extra soft. And I've got to look to see which ones I ordered, but they are. And they're good quality shirts. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they are. Um, but you anyway, you ordered them. You got them in. Are you satisfied with them? I got them in them? a lot quicker than I thought because- It you took know, about a week, maybe. Yeah. And you said that some of the reviews- um, that you had read said it takes a little while because they don't print them till they get the order. Right. And they even tell you on their website that, you know, allow two to three weeks. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think it's been a week. And right. I got all four shirts, mm -hmm. all different shirts. Um, when I say all four, that's not all that we have. I think it's probably not all that you ordered either. It is. <laughs> I try to limit myself. Um, I think, how many did you say we have on there now? 30 something options. I th yeah, I think so. And I came up with a couple more today as we were driving down the road. So I need to create those. Yep, so I need to add those. But um, I'm really impressed with them. I, I am. Yeah, and you got a you got a sticker too, right? I did order a sticker. I didn't see that. Is it good quality? It's in the car. I don't know. And you hadn't looked at it yet? No, I hadn't looked at it okay. yet. Okay, we'll check that out and see. But yeah. Now, I will say one thing that kind of shocked me was the shipping charge. I was like, whoa, Nelly, that's kind of high. But... I just ordered more shirts and it balanced it out the Did way it? I looked at it. So I guess if you order one shirt, it's probably not, not very good. No, I think it's like eleven ninety nine shipping or something. For one shirt? Yeah. Mm. Well, I'm guessing. I, I don't know that I ever just put one shirt and look in the cart. <laughs> Maybe it was two. <laughs> but I do know if you get four, the shipping's only twelve ninety nine. Oh, yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. So I order would, more. Well, I would expect about five bucks per shirt for shipping, something like that. I don't know. Maybe if I order 10, it won't be but 13. Look. I'll let y'all know. No, you won't. Well, I mean, you know, nobody likes to pay that much for shipping. But let's make this clear. This is not through us. 
We no. don't have any control over the pricing of the shirts or, or the, the shipping, shipping or cost. Anything. <laughs> right. It is yeah. somewhere that we design the shirts and put it on this website and they handle everything else. Yeah. Yeah, we did it mostly because there are so many people that, that have said, oh, man, I wish we had a shirt for that. Or I wish I had a coffee cup that said that or whatever. And I'm like, you know what? There's nothing to stop us from creating that. I mean, right. it's, you know, so uh, went out and found a place that we could do it. And uh, the quality was good. And um, actually the quality, and once we ordered them, I think they were better than I anticipated. Yes, definitely. Um, it's definitely better than I anticipated. Yep. So anyway, it's out there. So um Gives you a good opportunity to show your your stepmom, wave your stepmom flag. <laughs> a very unique way, I'll say that. Because some of these shirts are hilarious. <laughs> they are. My favorite is a nacho win, and it has all these different um, uh, emojis, emojis, emoticon faces, whatever of the smileys. One's like when I'm happy, when I'm sad, when I'm mad, when I'm glad, when I'm angry, <laughs> when I'm sleeping, when I'm whatever. <laughs> I have to tell y'all a quick story, and then, um, then we're going to get into this interview. I had ordered a cup one time, and <laughs> I know where it's going. It's on the front of it. Well, you know where you enter the text. I put "keep calm" and "nacho," and then put nachokidsacademy.com at the bottom. Really cute, you know, like it's black, white, then black. Anyway, I ordered the cup. I was so excited to get it, and I pull it out, and I look at it. I'm like, "Look, David!" And as I'm showing it to him, I look on the back, and it says, "Enter your text here." <laughs> <laughs> apparently there were two places to put what you wanted on the cup and i only saw one so the front of my cup says keep calm and nacho nacho kids academy or nacho kids.com or no it is nacho kids academy.com and then the back of it says enter your text here <laughs> that was so hilarious and i'm like i'm not gonna tell anybody <laughs> and then that, i hear i am telling everybody that is so funny yeah so anyway we don't want to keep you any longer we want you to hear this interview with Ariana and we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Yep. Here we go. But before we do, here's a word about the Academy. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle step family challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit NachoKidsAcademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's NachoKidsAcademy.com. Today, we have a very special guest, Ariana. (laughs) Hey, Ariana, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you? Good. Yeah. So for those who don't know, we, we know Ariana from the Academy, so we'll be, we'll cut to the chase. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we don't know her. She's a stranger, David. What are you talking about? They're going to be like, wow, they, they're like so friendly with her for some reason. Because <laughs> we've been through it with her. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. But for those who don't know you yet, uh, tell us a little bit about your blend. All right. Well, I have been in a blended family, I guess I could say just at five years now. Uh, We've been married for three. Um, I had no children coming into this and my husband had two. Uh, When I met them, they were at that cute age of eight and nine. Yes, very close together. And uh, yeah, do the math. They've hit the teenage years. So um, gotten interesting. But uh, yes, he's got two girls from a previous marriage. Um, I didn't have any children. I met him when I was in my mid-30s, 
he was in his early 40s. And I mentioned that because um, obviously I didn't have any kids, even though I was in my mid 30s, because I took it pretty seriously uh, that I didn't want to uh, have any kids before I got married. So marrying somebody with children uh, presented some issues that I just didn't foresee. That being said, I think it's important to mention that I'm a stepchild myself. Um, both of my parents are remarried and my father has another child while my mother does not, but I also have a stepbrother. So I have a full sister, a stepbrother, and a half sister that's 17 years younger. Um, and I thought that that family dynamic would help me in my blend. And I thought that even though I hadn't been with anybody with kids before, that I was an expert because I was a stepchild. <laughs> And uh, yeah, let's just say I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we can cut it right there. We're done. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. So uh, at what point did you wake up and go, how did I end up with a guy with kids? <laughs> well, it was funny. the dog, David. Remember? Yes, oh, it right. was the dog. <laughs> that was so funny. Um, I mean, it's funny you should mention that because I had a very strong rule that I would not date men with children. Um, my husband is the first person I have ever dated with kids. And um, I guess, I mean, I, I think it's important to kind of mention our circumstance as to why I did bend it a little bit. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was living in China at the time. And let's just say that it was slim pickings over there for me. And, uh, you know, my husband, we had an opportunity to meet and he looked great. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll date him. And to be honest with you, he told me he had two kids when we first met, but I guess it was just, you know, loud or something. I did not hear him. <laughs> I did not hear him. I did not know he had two children until we were on our first date. Now, you, you know what it was is you were thinking to yourself, what does that got to do with tonight? Exactly. <laughs> What's that got to do right now with our conversation, <laughs> our, our really texting banter? So yeah, I kind of, uh, once I had an opportunity to get to know him a little bit, I said to myself, well, you know, maybe I'm blocking a blessing of love by not, by, by having this rule. So let me give it a shot. And yeah, it's been the whirlwind ever since. Yeah. It's amazing how we make decisions emotionally and then try to back them up with logic. Right. The logic was definitely not there. <laughs> Well, tell people about the dog. All right. I mean, the long and short of it was that I was going to say, I'm not going to see you again. Um, or maybe, not, no, not necessarily, I'm not going to see you again. But he, he did say, you know, hey, do you want to come over? I, I need to walk my dog. And this was after we had hung out a couple of times. And uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll go over and I'll walk your dog. And after that dog walk, I was at his house pretty much every day for the next two months. And then a month after that, I moved to his country because he was in Hong Kong. And even though I had planned to leave the entire continent, I changed all my plans so that I could explore what our relationship was. So we do have an inside joke that we talked about yesterday. Um, and anytime he talks about walking the dog, it's basically because it's something that he's going to kind of trick me on. If I'm doing <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. the dog wasn't even his, right? Correct. The dog had, could not pass quarantine for a friend of his, so he was just watching the dog. 
So, uh, yeah. And, and we laugh about it because the dog's name was Angel. And he always says, ooh, it would have taken more than a prayer to get you to keep seeing me. So, yeah. There you go. Wow. I love that story. Yeah. It's, uh, we'll, we'll call it, it depends on the day. It can be bittersweet at times. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you fall in love with this dude mm-hmm. that has these kids that you kind of keep forgetting about. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and well, I had insisted actually that I met the kids early. I had always heard the advice that when somebody has kids, um, you shouldn't meet them for like a year or maybe longer. And I was not on board with that because I already knew that if I didn't like his kids or his kids didn't like me, it wasn't going to work. So um, he introduced me to his kids almost immediately. And I had never lived with anyone either. So I went from somebody that had always lived alone and I had had a few roommates to living with a man that had two kids. And um, the amount of change was really... uh, uh, I'm surprised I did that even still to this day because we moved in together like about five months after knowing each other. Um, and it was because of the circumstances. Like I was living in another country and we had to cross borders every day to see each other, which is a romantic story depending <laughs> on how you, depending on how you spin it for the day. So yeah, <laughs> it was a rush. We, we rushed a little bit. That is romantic. It is, but it was also still a rush. And I would not advise moving in with anybody. If you've never lived with someone before, I don't advise the first time to do it, being less than six months with somebody with two kids at their ages. That was a full on, as they say. Right. (laughs) You know, you mentioned that you've heard people say you shouldn't meet the kids until after a year or whatnot. And Mm -hmm. I, I don't really agree with that either. Now, granted, if you're, you know, hopping people, for lack of a better Mm -hmm. word, (laughs) <laughs> that probably wasn't the best choice of words, but you know, <laughs> <Often people. laughs> you don't want your kids to meet 18 people in a month or even in a year. I agree with that. Yeah. Once you start seeing that the relationship is going somewhere, then yeah, it's time to meet the kids. Because like you said, if there's big issues there, they need to be addressed or you need to split ways. Agreed. <laughs> Looking at Lori and going, and you still stayed. <laughs> I, I have no excuse for my ignorance. <laughs> it, it wasn't because of a dog. We know why. Oh, Lord. Okay, Ariana, help me out. <laughs> All right. So you move in together. The stepkids, what kind of visitation did you have with them? Oh, that was that's the interesting part. My husband uh, was married to a woman that was from another. They were both from different countries. She was from Japan. He was from Australia, but they got divorced in Hong Kong. And they thought it was a good idea to have a very loose custody arrangement, which um, I'm sure we'll get to later, but we're paying for that now. Um, because basically, when I first met him, he had his kids every weekend. Um, and obviously, with the circumstances I just told you, that was really tough for us because, you know, you can't really do anything um, when you've got two kids that are in school, but also with the father every weekend if he's trying to kind of meet someone new. Um, so once, uh, I moved in with him and then we moved house, the agreement was originally, uh, or when I first met him, it was every weekend. And then it switched to what their initial agreement was, which was 50, 50. So a week on week off. And it was like that for several years. 
um, yeah, it was like that for, for a few years. And then it switched from every weekend or every, uh, every other week. Then it, then it switched to every other weekend plus two days. And then it switched to every other weekend. And then it switched to <laughs> like whatever the kids felt like. And I mean, I have a lot of thoughts as to how that happened. Uh, I'm just not sure if it's the right time in the call to share it now. Okay. Um, why did things switch so much? Things switched a lot because of parental alienation. If I'm being completely frank with you, it was a term that I wasn't familiar with and neither was Connor. Um, but uh, I think it's also important to say that um, Connor got divorced. Is it okay to say his name? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because he don't care. Um, let's see. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, he got divorced. Um, he had been divorced more than 10 years uh, when I met him, even though his kids were, or no, when we got married, the kids were 10 and 11. And I met them, they were eight and nine. Um, gosh, I actually think we've been together longer than I thought. Long, anyways, here's the deal. They had been separated and were divorced for almost a decade when he and I got married. And I mentioned this because he had, I'm not going to call it a revolving door, but let's just say he had enough girlfriends where he had lived with two other people um, in between his ex-wife and myself. And we're, he had other girlfriends. He was seeing somebody and I was seeing somebody when, when we met. We were both dating other people actively, but still able to see other people, if that makes sense. And yeah, I mentioned- Dog trick must have been working good. I'm telling you, man. I'm like, good boy. <laughs> and then- when we, That dog when, got walked more. <laughs> who are you telling? That dog was doing circles around the block. But, uh, <laughs> that dog was in shape, man. <laughs> I can see Connor calling his buddy. I need that dog again. <laughs> I'm telling you. Here's the funny thing, though. Like when when we on our second date, we decided that we wanted to be exclusive and stop seeing the other people that we were kind of talking to. And my person understood because I'm very direct, but Connor's very beater on the bush. Like, hey, listen, you know, I started seeing somebody. So this girl, she just kept coming around. And it, finally, I had to say, look, I need you to take a step back. So, yeah, it was, it was easier for some to shake off than others. But I mentioned all this because, um, to get back to the original point, I mentioned this because um, the parental alienation started when his ex-wife realized that he was taking another relationship seriously. Um, even though it had, she had been remarried for 10 years, yes, y'all do the math, um, she had been remarried for the exact same amount of time that they had been divorced, and she has another child, this, that, and the other, um, when it became apparent that he was living with someone and getting serious with her, um, the narrative started to change, and I could hear it with the girls' visits. Like, when I first met them, we used to talk about uh, their mom very openly, very positively. Um, like they would share what was going on at their house, like if they had a new pet or like when their brother was born, like they would show me pictures and we would look at it. But it took about seven or eight months and all of a sudden that started to change. Like things got very buttoned up and yeah, that that was the beginning of the changes. And then we started to hear things like, oh, I'm uncomfortable here. And we would say, why? And there was never an answer. Um, and yeah, I mean, now it's shown its true colors. You've just flat out heard, you know, they were told that, you know, dad's new woman is a bad person um, for a plethora of reasons. Um, and it all started, first it all started with 
she would call him and scream at him. And it was often that she, she would call probably two or three times a day. And I would hear her cursing him out. And this was when we first started seeing each other. And I flat out said, I said, listen, I can't be with someone that has that type of relationship with someone else. Like if anybody's going to be cursing and screaming at you, it's going to be me. <laughs> some other woman okay so um yeah basically when he started to change his communication with her that's when all of a sudden he became a father that didn't love his children a father that didn't care about his children we, we i started to actually hear her saying those things to him while he was on the phone with her so then he stopped the telecommunications and went to texting and that was even more abusive so then it switched to, from co-parenting to parallel parenting and it became emails only. And when he implemented that, that's when like, I hope it's all right to say this, but all hell broke loose. He really didn't like that. But to be honest with you, it was better for everybody because the abuse stopped. Right. Mm -hmm. We see that a lot where the bio mom, she's okay with things. And then once things start getting serious, whether it's the ex getting engaged or like you said, more of a serious relationship. It's like she goes cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> well, yeah. And it's interesting because I've done a little bit of reading on this and my mom's a psychiatrist who's also a divorced bio mom, I guess I could say. And I've talked to her about this uh, at length. And what I think it kind of boils down to is that there's two types of divorce. There's the actual like physical separation of things and locations and of, of the relationship, I guess. But then there's uh, divorce emotionally. And I hate to say this, even though she's been married to somebody else for over a decade, I don't think that she has, um, or if she, or I think she's only just started to in the last year or two, started to divorce Connor emotionally. I think that she definitely still spoke to him in a way that seemed like she belonged to him. If I'm really speaking, it makes my skin crawl. To think of it that way but really it's the only thing that makes sense when i look at how things have unfolded over the last few years and that is probably because you had a child with him that also had something to do with it but what's interesting is her son is only two years older than my daughter so she had a kid recently as well um and it was fine like nobody made a big deal about anything like we took the girls for a longer period of time so she could have some time to bond with her son with her husband you know, all this, that, and the other. And I had the exact opposite treatment. Um, it all, it really started when we got engaged. If I'm, if I, if I really tell the story how it is, it started when we got engaged uh, because uh, my husband actually never proposed to his ex-wife and he never gave her a ring. And the girls basically went home because they were there when he proposed and, and got on one knee and gave me my engagement ring. And they went home talking to their mom about this beautiful ring that he gave me and this, that, and the other. And because they're kids, they don't, they don't know. Um, but when she found out that he gave me a ring and proposed properly, um, I'm, I may not be a bio mom, but I'm a woman. And that would ruffle my feather, even if I mm -hmm. was somebody else. Um, so, um, and, and she still doesn't have a ring, even in her new marriage. So I think that there's a level of, like, why that's when it started. And that's what I heard the girls change their narrative. Like they would always say, oh, we like the ring. It's so pretty. And then all of a sudden they started speaking really negatively to me about it. So that's when it all, that's when I started to take notice of a change was when we got engaged. And we were married a year later 
and we had a wedding. They didn't have a wedding. We had a honeymoon. They didn't have a honeymoon. So all these things, depending on what type of person she is, because she's actually never had a conversation with me. Um, I, uh, from what I, what I gathered from what I hear from the girls and from my husband, um, she's somebody that likes to compare. Uh, and I tried to befriend her. I tried to talk to her because I personally, like, if something horrible has happened and I wasn't with my husband, there's no way that he could live with somebody else and get married to that person and my daughter live in the house with them and he not know this person. So, mm -hmm. you know, I just know that as far as, you know, that sort of thing goes, we're just two very different types of people. So it became apparent to me the two times I did see her in person and I tried to talk to her and she flat out ignored me. I knew that I wasn't dealing with somebody that was of the same thought. Is the ring thing a cultural thing, maybe? No. <laughs> She's no. just not getting a ring. Nobody's putting a ring on it. Correct. But that's because of, if I'm being honest with you, they she got married. And I feel bad because I don't want to like bad her. Like, I think that she's a good mom um, that has experienced pain like the rest of us. Um, but if I'm also being honest, sometimes she's trifling as all get out. And, you know, when she got pregnant with my husband's first child, he insisted on getting married. So that's what they did. And, you know, I'm going to go ahead and put this out there. She is married to somebody that used to employ my husband. And he was married with a family when they got together. So there's a level of not going about things in a in an order that would leave you to not get proposals, if that makes sense. There's no courting process. Right. It's, it's happened people, Lori. It's happened people. <laughs> <laughs> it's but, people. I mean, you know, look, I, I, I want to make it very clear what I don't want to come off as somebody that's like jealous or angry or mean. Look, there are times where I'm jealous of her because she shared a, uh, a bunch of firsts with my husband that I don't get to have. At the end of the day, I might have been the one to get the first ring, but she was his first wife, and that never feels good. You know, she did have his first child. So whenever I allowed myself as a childless stepmother that had never been married before to get into those thoughts of first, um, it's very, it's, it's still difficult for me. Um, so I'm not going to like badmouth this lady because if I'm being real with you, I don't know her well enough to do that. All I know right. is her, she has two kids that even though they give us absolute hell, they're, they're two good kids. Like they get good grades. They're polite to other people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, she's raised, she has helped raise two good people and they are teenage girls and it could be way worse. So even though she makes my life difficult, I think under a different set of circumstances, um, she is a good person. Right. Now, you recently moved. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's created uh, another thing. Um, I, I guess I, you go ahead and ask the question. I'll tell you what that's about. You go right ahead. Well, I mean, here's the deal. Obviously, I met this man in Hong Kong. Um, and there's a, there's a story I actually haven't told you guys before. <gasps> um, <laughs> Yeah. You're here to hear first, folks. Yes, that's true. <laughs> you, that's true. Um, you could actually say that technically I'm Connor's third wife, not his second wife. Um, and the reason for that is um, in Hong Kong, if you don't have a certain visa, like most countries, and you're not from there, you can't live there. So Connor actually married a friend of his so that he could stay in the country. 
um, because this person was basically, uh, they had something what they call like permanent resident status and could sponsor him a visa to allow him to continue to continue to live there. It's no different than like in the States when somebody's getting a green card, but let's just say it's a lot harder in the U.S. to pull off what he did. Um, but the reason I, we don't actually, it's all a technicality thing. It's not like this was like a relationship that he, you know, it wasn't a marriage marriage like his first wife or me. It was, he, I, I'm mentioning this today because it ties into what's going on with our move right now. Um, okay. He had an opportunity back when the girls were two and three years old, which is how old they were when they were officially divorced, um, not when they separated. They separated when the girls, well, one of the girls was still a baby. But um, I mentioned this because he had an opportunity to move back to Australia way back then. But he's a, a really committed father, um, which is something that he and I, both of us, we didn't have growing up. So his thing was, I'm committed to my kids. I'm not going to leave them without having enough emotional equity there where, he knows, where they know that I love them. So he married this person, which was basically a financial transaction um, so that he could stay in the country and had kind of resigned ever having another family or really any happiness as far as love is concerned, hence the perpetual dog walk um <laughs> but uh yeah but when but when we when we met uh he had finally he had just gotten enough years in hong kong to also become a permanent resident so he was able to basically divorce this friend of his um and that he was basically allowed to live in the country without all that extra and i mentioned that because we've just left Hong Kong and moved back to where he's from in Australia. And um, the girls are still in Hong Kong. And um, because of, I don't think, I know for a fact we, we would not have done this three years ago, but because of the way the visitation has dwindled down to next to nothing and the success of the parental alienation after a lot of conversations with his family, my family, and the girls themselves, we think the best way to kind of salvage this is for him to have larger chunks of time with them um, because that's the only time that we would ever start feeling like uh, our little family, like we used to be again. Yeah, because you have more influence when you have a longer time span. Absolutely, because basically what started happening was the girls were coming every other weekend. They would come on Friday, pissed off, and leave Monday morning just starting to get normal. And it was this mm -hmm. weird, like, cyclical thing. So I know for a fact that it will be awkward when the girls come for the summer. They're basically going to come here every summer for the entire summer and all holidays. When we looked at it, it's actually more time because Hong Kong has so many holidays. It's more time with us than every other weekend because we used to split the summer. So um, I think that it's going to help their relationship because they can just be where their dad's from, where they were born. They were, all, they were born in Australia. Yeah, man. Like I think it's going to be a better a better thing because there's going to be no other outside influences saying, yeah, your dad's a terrible person. Stepmother is the devil because we're not, you know, we're just not, you know, and I'm hoping that they can have a chance to connect with my daughter the way that they've had a chance to connect with their brother because they have absolutely no connection with her right now. Right. So how long is summer? 10 weeks, 12 weeks? Um, summer with us will be about 10 weeks. Oh, that's a fair amount of time. It is. Um, it's, they're, they, they're off for summer for about 12, for about 12 weeks. 
Um, I mean, it's crazy though how many holidays these kids get. Honestly, they have like two weeks in February. They get another two weeks in August. They get almost twelve weeks in summer, and then they get um, ten days for Christmas break. And then there's little holidays like a week in October. It's just nuts. So we'll have them for most of those holidays. Oh, that's good. But we're going to alternate um, holidays like Christmas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Did you get that in writing? Uh, not yet. But since we are in the car- the process of food, it'll be in writing after that. <laughs> uh, what? Yeah. Um, here, if you, here's, here's how. First of all, I will go ahead and put this on record. Hong Kong is the most expensive city in the world for expats to live in. And my husband, um, I do all of our, our finances. So I know every single time you would say, oh, you're not spending enough money. I would purposely say, tell her, okay. And we were spending an absorbent amount of money every single month, but nothing was ever enough. When she found out that he was even remotely interested in living in Australia, we were immediately served with a summons for um, an insane amount of money, like absolutely insane. That's just what we're dealing with right now. That's what the email was about this morning. Um, yeah, there's and, and no offense, like the person that she's with was my husband's boss. They're not they're not hurting at all for money at all. And even if they are, Connor is one hundred percent covering all the school fees, all the medical fees, all of the things plus extra for their extracurriculars. It's just another way to upset the balance. Right. Yeah, but if you're getting them actually more now then I would think that the amount of money that he's paying should go down. But it was never court ordered, was it the amount that he was to pay her? Correct. And guess what? This is going to end up being a little bit of a backfire. And the reason why is because um, he's making significantly less money in Australia because it doesn't cost as much to live here. Basically, what this has forced us and her and the courts to do is look at how much can we actually afford to be sending there and he'll always cover their education like that but this this thing i mean i've shared with you guys before that like told the kids yeah you can go on that school trip to france without talking to us first and he's just said okay you know and i've and i've said look we'll work it into the budget but the truth of the matter is there's a lot less money now so we need to be at least consulted about that sort of thing and it needed to happen. Like, I didn't want it to happen this way. Connor didn't want it to happen this way. The girls will be 18 in just a handful of years now. This didn't have to go this way. But since it has, um, we want to make sure that we are obviously taking care of the girls where necessary, but also aren't being, you know, hit up every single month for more money. Right. Now, of course, I don't know how custody slash child support stuff goes about when it's in different countries mm-hmm. how does that work i mean does your australian attorney contact her chinese attorney it's interesting that you should say that because without even mentioning connor i've lived abroad for i've lived abroad since 2006 and i've had lived in all different types of countries and the one thing i've run into often has been men with kids in other countries that they're doing absolutely nothing for. So to be completely frank with you, the only reason why this is even a conversation is because my husband wants to stay in integrity with what he needs to do for his kids. And also he wants to um, maintain a 
he wants to do this right. He wants to make sure his side of the street is clean. But to be real with you, he doesn't have to respond to anything. That's the, yeah. that's the honest to God truth. I mean, man, you can murder somebody and leave the country. You really think people care about child support? They don't. <laughs> you know, that's they, true. They don't. Nobody's going to extradite you for not paying for your kids' swimming lessons. So, um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and this is one of the things where I think that there has been a, uh, I'm not going to say lack of gratitude because nobody should ever get gratitude for doing the right thing for their kids. It's kind of like when, you know, people are saying thank you because a mother or father is taking care of their kids. You're supposed to do that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But what I will say is he has never given this woman any grief in regards to paying for anything for them. And I think unlike my mother, she has no, no idea, my mother and Connor's mother, she has no idea what it's like to deal with a man that has completely abandoned his responsibilities. So to be frank with you, this month is the first month since he has had children with her that he has sent her nothing. And the reason for that is because his attorney in uh, Hong Kong has said until this has, now we've set the money aside, um, right. but until the uh, hearings and all the proceedings have been resolved, he's like, don't send a thing. And so we got an email this morning that said, hey, where's my money? Mm -hmm. uh, your, your money's, you're getting what the court paper said you were going to get. Oh, wait, there's not one. Exactly. <laughs> and that's why, and that's one of those things where I'm kind of like, you know, I don't know what everybody's dealing with out there, but, um, you know, if, if you have somebody that is doing right by their kids, like, you know, I'm not saying that you need to be grateful for that but i guess that it is a point of view whether it's the man or the woman that has custody of the kids if you've got the other parent that's not with the kids primary as like the primary caregiver and they're they're doing what they're supposed to do it's probably not in best interest to rock that boat unless absolutely necessary i find it interesting that her comment is where's my money boom yeah boom shakalaka like a and, and, you, and, and, you know, I know that her, her husband has three other children that are, you know, at very expensive ages. So maybe that, you know, boss money that was really good years ago when his kids were younger, it starts thinning out. I can see how the money thins out with just the fact that Connor's kids have gotten older. So, you know, mm -hmm. there's six kids to consider in their household, whereas in ours, there's three. What do you think any of it may have to do with... Um making it very difficult for him should he ever come back to Hong Kong? No, because he's never going back to Hong Kong. She knows that. She's just basically, if I'm being frank with you, just from the things that I've seen in the written communication, um, that's what I meant when I talked about the emotional divorce, because just a few months ago, he received an email that said, you know, you, you were lucky to ever be with me. That's completely... <laughs> That's completely inappropriate in any circumstance, but that's like borderline insane when you've got another marriage of over a decade and a three-year-old under your belt with somebody else. Like your mind is somewhere, uh, somewhere else. If I if I mm -hmm. do my you know unprofessional opinion. Yeah, and you know what? I really like the way that you put that because we see that a lot. Is the divorce, like you said, there's the physical aspect. And then it could be years and years and years later before the emotional aspect kicks in. 
Well, it's funny you should mention that because before, even after I've had my daughter, there's been some really rough times with my husband. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to leave this fool. And it was actually David that said to me in one of the nacho calls, he said, now listen, you're going to be in a blended family no matter what now because you've got to be. <laughs> you're like, crap. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember thinking, you know, so I, I, I research things. I read a lot. And I've read so many articles that say, that, you know, depending on the circumstance, obviously this is not for everybody, but if you uh, can essentially work it out with your partner and they haven't done something that's like an absolute deal breaker, which are different for everybody, then you might want to try and work it out with them because one of the few things that I keep seeing come up is that if you could not see your partner happy with somebody else, then you're going to struggle if you divorce them. And Connor... Connor was the one that said, you know, she was doing whatever. And he said, I, I'm calling it, you know, and he's happy for her. Him and his, him and her husband get along great. When the problems are really bad, he actually speaks to him to help smooth things over. Um, but she hates me. And I came on the scene way after they were finished. So there's something wrong with that. Yeah. So, yeah, mm. there's, there's I, that. I have my own opinions about that. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you live that, Lori? No, I just I've I've seen it so much. It's like, you know, we're not assuming anything, but just say hypothetically that the ex had a relationship with her current husband prior to her previous relationship ending. No, that happened in almost, our situation. One hundred. I know, but I was trying to act like it didn't. No, I did. I'm I'm not going to be that nice now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well. If if Skanko cheated on him, <laughs> then it's almost like they have a guilt about it or something to where, like you said, that they don't want them to be happy. I, I don't know. I don't really get it, but I see it a lot to where it's like, I cheated on you. I didn't want to be in our marriage. You left. You met somebody else. And now I'm mad about it. I can tell you what mm -hmm. I think about it. Please do. I grew up with a mom that used to say, be careful. Because the grass always looks greener, but sometimes it's astroturf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's similar to what I uh, tell people. When the grass is green on the other side, it's usually because of the fertilizer. And you know what fertilizer <laughs> is made out of. <laughs> More manure. <laughs> yeah, because at the end of the day, like I know that everybody's different in the relationship. I'm 100% certain that I have a different husband than she may have. And I'm not going to you know, discount that. There's a lot of factors that go into that. But ultimately, even when I tell you this man married a friend to stay in a country to be with his kids, he's a good person. He's a kind person. He, he is not a cheater. Um, and he's a very loyal person, sometimes to a fault. And he has that Australian accent. Yes, he does. <laughs> but now everybody down here does. <laughs> so he's not special anymore. Yeah, if anything, I'm special and I hate it. But that's all right. <laughs> You know, um, I guess you could say that, you know, even when Lori married me, she married a different person than my first wife married. Absolutely. And, you know, and I'm, I'm certain I, I have a different version of her than, than her exes. Yeah. But he and, complains about that. He said they had the fun version. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think. <laughs> What's I, that nervous laugh, David? <laughs> because I'm thinking as I'm laughing and it makes it nervous, but. <laughs> no, I, th I think what happens sometimes, though, is that some of the some of the fun, 
parts of you that were naive and just, you know, kind of threw caution to the wind, oftentimes those things kind of die when you go through a bad relationship. And, and that's when you kind of look back and go, you know, there are certain parts of this person that I would have loved to have been around and experienced, but they're not there anymore. Right. But I didn't have a kid then either. No. It's interesting that you should say that because I have the opposite situation, um, in, in, my, in my opinion, from what I can see. I would say that I dealt that my husband was very passive in his decision making, kind of just going with whatever. And um, I'd say in the last two to three years, I really watched him come into his own. Um, I've watched him grow in leaps and bounds. There were areas that I felt he was extremely stunted. And um, I'm sure that he had some of some issues that, you know, everybody wears a little bit of baggage from their old relationship. But I think that actually making the choice, like I'm not going to put a whole bunch of weight on somebody proposing to you, but I think being chosen and somebody making that choice in their mind, you're automatically setting things up to be different because it's not like, all right, well, you're pregnant. Let's, let's get married. And trust me, Plenty of people do that and it works out. So I'm not downing people that get married because there's a child involved. I'm just saying for my particular circumstance and the person that I'm dealing with um, lived life very haphazardly where it was where he never made any decisions. So um, it was more like, or let me take that back because every single thing he did was a choice. Um, but he didn't put thought into them. He didn't he kind of just did what he was told. If I'm being real, that's kind mm-hmm. of what, what I, and, and, and that, that presented problems when we first got together. Um, a lot of problems actually. Right. But, but he was doing it to keep the peace. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. Lord knows. And don't we do that a lot? <laughs> yeah. And, and here's the issue. Um, I think that even in some of his relationships previously with me, um, look, I can even mention something with my, my mother-in-law. Um, my mother-in-law, I noticed, really had some strong reactions to me. And, you know, we had it out a couple of times. And look, it is what it is. But um, mm-hmm. it came out later that even though he had been married before, and even though my husband's closer to 50 than 40, um, she made it very clear, which he wasn't then, but this was a few years ago. She made it clear that she was the woman in his life, not his ex-wife. Mom? Yes, mama. And, you know, like everything he needed help with, he was there. You know, um, the things that my husband and I make, we're we're a team, period. In every single decision, there's nothing done where we don't run it by each other for the most part, except for the things I'm not sure. Um, (laughs) And, um, yeah, I think that he had to grow up a little bit for us to be together because, like I said, you know, I made a joke about it, but like there's something off when you're trying to bond with a woman and there's some other woman from your past calling you every day, screaming at you, you know, mm-hmm. over, over nonsense. Like I'm, there were a lot of doors that needed to be closed and a lot of cleaning up that needed to be done. And actually prior to us leaving Hong Kong, as frustrated as I was with this whole court proceeding, Connor had a really measured emotion about it that is new period. Like if this had happened four years ago, it probably would have broken. But um, he was like, you know what, this needs to happen because I need to clean this up. I have let this non-specific custody money situation go for too long. 
it's uncomfortable, but I, let me deal with it. So for the first time since he and I have been together, there's something major taking place and I'm as I'm zero percent part of it. That is awesome. Yeah, he's handling it. And honestly, it all happened. Uh, there was a call that we did uh, with the Nacho Academy. I told y'all that she had sent some documents and this, that, and the other. And I had a nightmare that night. Um, that, or no, I had talked to you guys about uh, basically some of the things that we were playing around with, like what about setting money aside and this, that, and the other. And mm-hmm. this, you know, um, I, I, I kind of needed to hear other people say it's okay to pause and let that flesh itself out. And I've always been intricately involved in as much as possible when it comes to things that have to do with our finances. That's just how I am. Um, but with this, I had a nightmare after our nacho call, <laughs> not y'all's mm-hmm. call. Um, but I realized that the amount of stress that was going to come from me trying to control that situation. And I learned this from, from principles that I've discussed with you guys. I said, I was like, I had to let it go. I had to trust him enough to handle it. And funny enough, yes. he is handling it way more than I thought he could do on his own. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm not really stressed about it. It's annoying more than anything, but I am not stressed about it. That's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you talked about you know, being in the Nacho Kids Academy. What led you to finding out about Nacho Kids? And then ultimately, what was the, the catalyst to making you join the Academy? Well, for me, I had already been researching disengagement for a while. And Connor and I would talk often about all the stuff I would find on the internet. Like we would argue. And then in the middle of the night when I couldn't sleep, he'd wake up to like 40 articles forwarded to him. Like, (laughs) you know, I was, we were constantly searching for something to help alleviate pressure. That's what we were looking for. And, um, Basically, I, I, I was just searching, just looking. I mean, it was always in the middle of the night. I was always upset. And um, to this day, the only thing he and I really can get up in arms or furred up about, and I always say furred up because we have two cats that like, you know, they fur up and they look crazy and then they, they run around. So even though that's not a real term, it's a real term in our house. We'd be like, oh, you furred up. But um, <laughs> um, I basically was at my wit's end. Like, I had uh, had a baby and I just felt like it was so unfair. You know what I mean? Like when I looked at, I looked at how much stress I was under because of two other people being very um, lackadaisical in their decision-making. That's my thought on it. You know, whether or not anybody would agree with me, I don't know, but that's how I feel about it. You know, um, you know, when you have one kid uh, unplanned with this woman, and this is me talking to my husband, and you're unhappy and don't want to be with them, and then you are, um, I'm just going to say foolish enough to have another one, not even two years later, um, what are you doing? You know, like, what did you expect to happen? And so that's the type of thing, like, he and I would argue about. And David, you've made me laugh a few times because you're like, you're always upset about something that happened before he came to you. Um, and uh, I've talked to you about this, Lori. Like, it, it's hard when people tell you, oh, you know, the past is in the past. 
but you're looking at that path in your house. You're watching two people grow up to look just like a woman that hates you, that used to sleep with your husband, that got all the first that you had dreamed of. And I don't know how other childless stepmothers feel out there, but from what I've seen, um, the way the Nacho Academy helped me uh, initially, I guess, was it helped me figure out how to step away from the pain, anger, and stress that I was feeling about this path that was constantly ruling my present. Um, so I basically was online one night and I found it and anything like I probably, I, I ended up signing up immediately because I couldn't see what was in there <laughs> if, <laughs> if, I, if I didn't. And I had joined the Nacho Facebook group, um, but I knew I needed more than that. Like it was a bunch of upset people kind of like giving each other advice, which can be helpful sometimes if you need to vent. But I wanted to see what's this source, what does the source say? And yeah, it's been instrumental in, in my process. And what I really liked about it was I could have did it without my husband even knowing. Like you can nacho without anybody knowing anything about it you know, mm -hmm. but that's not the kind of relationship I have with Connor. We talk about everything, which yes, is a detriment at times, but, um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was really, it was real. it was a lifesaver because basically I felt like there was no solution because I was upset. We were fighting so much. It was just, it was just awful. Um, and I had had a baby and I didn't want my baby in that, that tension. Right. Now I remember, I'll put you on the spot a little bit, but I remember when you came into the first uh, coaching call that we had. I'm thinking about the same thing. Yeah, it was bad. It wasn't the first one we had. It was the first one that, that you joined us on. And, um, and I remember you uh, coming onto the call and I just remember your face. Mm -hmm. And because we do the, for those who don't know, we do the Q&A coaching calls every two weeks mm -hmm. and it's a, it's a video call. So you can turn the video on and, and anyway, we talk about your problems and help you out. So you, you had come in there and your face looked like you had been emotionally beat down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, and I just remember it as, as you were talking and, and telling us about what was going on and what you were struggling with, you know, by the end of that call, you had done a complete 180. It, it was an amazing quick transformation just because I think mentally and emotionally, you started going, all right, now I think I've got a plan. <laughs> exactly. And that's the type of person I am. Like I didn't have kids for a very long time and all that sort of thing because I, you know, I, I plan everything and that's also a problem sometimes. Um, but yeah, I, the first nacho call, I remember that too. I had had another argument with Connor and, you know, we're not even talking about like heated arguments or shouting at each other. I mean, those types of just emotionally draining, there's no end in sight. There's no light at the tunnel. And um, yeah, what I do, what I remember most about that call was being really frustrated about something and basically learning that it was me. Like I needed to make some changes because I was allowing another outside situation to not only rob me of my peace of mind, but like, it really doesn't matter what my husband does, what his kids what his ex does, how I 
um, respond to it is actually what is the most important thing for me to keep my eye on. Not necessarily the money coming through or, you know, when my teenage daughter comes over with the sweatshirt my mom bought her cut in half where her belly button's showing, I can see her bra <laughs> and her earrings are huge. And I mean, it's just, there's so much, you know, and they're cursing and culturally for me, that's just like, no, girl. But how I respond to all that, I learned that with, with the Nacho Academy, I learned, listen, you don't have to respond at all. You know, I stopped feeling, I read so many women and men actually um, from the Reddit step parents group, so the dozens of family or step parenting groups on Facebook, all these people feeling guilty and hiding in their rooms while their stepkids were there and stuff like that. Honestly, I, I started to do what worked for me, but not with a nasty attitude. If I needed a break, I took it. You know what I mean? Like if I needed to go in my room and breastfeed my baby, not because I'm, you know, worried about taking off my top in front of my stepdaughters. No, I, I use that as my opportunity to take breaks. You know, like I, I would take a break if I needed to, if they all started arguing with each other, there's nothing wrong with me going into the room and excusing myself. You know, now I won't lie. You guys also showed me that I need to uh, learn how to pause not respond with that quick mouth so fast and I'm still working on that because you know it yeah it, that's that's something I'm still working on like this morning that email came through asking about money I I woke up I fed the baby and Connor launches right into this email haven't even had a cup of coffee yet I think I've been awake for like eight minutes and I was like rah okay I was like look I don't want to talk about your old bot this morning okay blah 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 like i was i was going there. i thought about the fact that i had this call today and i thought ah this is what they're i gotta go i said you know what give me a minute and even though the stepkids aren't even here i went to the room i took a minute breathed i, I took a few breaths and i got myself together and that is not something i would have done before like i just didn't have any like thought about controlling my thoughts or how i managed them yeah. And yeah, I'm so proud of you. Thank you, girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there it, there's so much about what we teach in the academy that is far beyond what people think when they think, okay, uh, the nachoing is disengaging and so you, when you think about, okay, if it's if it's just disengaging, then why do I need to go to the academy when all they're going to do is tell me to disengage? But it's so much more than that. Am I allowed to elaborate? Oh, sure. Okay, so I'm obviously in loads of stepmom groups because Nacho, uh, the Nacho Academy was the last thing I found. So I was on like my last leg here. That's why I looked like, you know, I've been pulled out of a drain the first time you guys saw me on that call. <laughs> but um, I see in a lot of groups um, the Nacho method being misrepresented. Um, a lot of people think that it means that you're essentially that kid. Um, or that you're like ignoring them. And that's not it at all. Um, funny that we're talking about disengaging because I haven't thought about this um, until I'm sitting here right now, but I talk about the fact that I was a stepkid. And I will say, I do believe my experience as a stepchild, since I have um, a, a terrible relationship with my stepmother um, who fits all of the stereotypes. Um, 
and I have a touch and go relationship with my stepfather, but overall I respect him and he's a good man. Um, I can't imagine dealing with what he dealt with, which is having two teenage daughters, 365, because my dad had evaded his responsibility. Um, that's really mm -hmm. tough. But I mentioned this because I believe my stepfather actually tried to disengage with me, but he did it in a way that people get confused, not showing us. Um, my stepfather would go sometimes two or three months without speaking to me. Like, I would actually say, like, good morning, and he would just ignore me. Um, but then, like, if I got in trouble at school, uh, if you can believe it, I used to get in trouble at school a lot. No. Because of my mouth, <laughs> like, I would constantly, you know, talk back to teachers, not even necessarily in a disrespectful way, but they, you know, I was the why kid, like, why? Um, and, um, but when I would get, you're going to explain that to me, woman. <laughs> yeah, man. But like when I would get in trouble at school, my stepfather would, it, it was like, that's when he would reactivate. That's when he would engage. So when I was in trouble and he needed, to, and I needed discipline, that was the only interaction I had with him for years. But other than that, he was completely disengaged otherwise. Um, and I feel sometimes that that's what people think not showing is. People think that basically you disengage to the point where you treat the kid like they don't exist. And that's not what it is at all. For me, no. um, what I've learned anyway, and obviously you guys correct me if I'm wrong, the way that I not show is I treat my stepkids the same way I would want to be treated as a stepkid. And on topics that bring me stress, I, that's where I disengage. I'm not their mom. And I've been remonstrated. There's literally no other word that I can think of in a plethora of stepmother groups because I am not a stepmother that says, oh, those are my kids. And I don't use the term bonus baby either because no offense, mm -hmm. bonuses are rewards. And this has been more of a test than a reward. Um, <laughs> you know, um, and I, I tell people, look, I can try and, you know, play house all I want, but they have a mother that is active in their life. So the minute I start acting like their mother um, in our dynamic, maybe there's some other extenuating circumstances that people have where like maybe the mom's in jail or, you know, the dad's, you know, doing whatever he's, you know, deployed or something. So they really are the only person there all the time. That's a different circumstance. But for people that have my circumstance where they have two active parents in their life, for me, it's not appropriate for me to be disciplining those kids. You know, I'm just some other person that they only know because their parents didn't work out and their dad's with somebody else. And even though my stepkids don't have any recollection of their parents together, I still bear the brunt of them being angry that they're not. So um, for me, all disengaging is, is when they come to the house, you know, I, I might want, I don't do, I don't, I don't discipline. That's what it is. I don't do any discipline. Um, and I am fortunate enough to have a husband that is supportive. So if I say to him, listen, this, this happened, you know, I remember calling once talking to you guys saying, you know, the dishes, man, they don't do the dishes right. And you guys taught me basically learn what hills you're willing to die on. You know, because, yeah, I do have a husband that if I say, hey, those dishes, you need to get them to do the dishes. He will go out there, talk about the dishes, but he's annoyed with me because the dishes aren't a big deal. 
So I've learned how to kind of measure or weigh things up where it's like, if it's not that big of a deal, let it go. But if it is something that requires some discipline, like cursing in front of my, you know, eight month old, then I'll tell him, you need to go get that checked. And he does, but he's the parent, not me. That's what nachoing is in my household. And it has saved my relationship with my husband, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think about mm-hmm. divorcing him three times a week anymore. <laughs> I'm so glad. Um, I've got to say this. You know, David was talking about his memories of your first call. And, you know, I remember sitting there watching you and we would say something. And you'd be like, crap. You'd have that <laughs> crap. It's me. Look. Yeah. Or darn it. I knew they were going to say this or it, it it was just funny because you were so expressive with your face and <laughs> you wouldn't even have to say anything. And I would be like, girl, I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's hard when you're, when you're basically, you know, I, I, again, I do think there are staunch differences in, a, in experience with two people that have been married before, or even just had relationships before that bring two kids or, or that, that bring kids from different relationships and they were a relationship together. And I also think there's a huge difference between step parents, whether it be a man or a woman that have no kids that are blending with somebody that does have kids. Um, I think that it's, I'm not going to say that the, that one is more difficult than the other, but I do think, cause I, I've been able to hear from all the nacho calls. No, we're all in this. You know what I mean? Like everybody's going through it, but for people in my situation that don't have any of their own kids, or now I have my own kid with him, that will bring its own set of circumstances later. But um, people that don't have their own kids, when there's other kids there, I personally think it does really help to just let the parent parent. And if, some, if he asks me what I think about something, of course, I'll give him my input. Sometimes I'm like, look, I don't want to talk about it. You deal with that. Very rarely do I do that. But sometimes if I know it's a sensitive enough topic, that it could possibly create stress between us. I'm just like, look, man, you know, pretend I'm not here. Go, go do you. I'm not going to say anything, you know? Um, yeah. I trust you to make the best decision or. Yeah. Well, you do want to empower that person because it's funny that sometimes the women that complain the most about, you know, my husband won't step up. They're also the same people who never allows the husband to step up. That is the truth. Cause I was one of those. I would be like, I was one of those hands, like I'm enough of a control freak to the point where I'll admit it. And I mean, like he looked at me and was like, listen, nobody can clean to your hospital grade standard. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, so that's him defending his kids. And I think it's important because one of the other things I've learned from the Nacho Academy is don't say anything negative about the stepkids. And whoo, that's tough when you got two teenage girls with funky attitudes whoa <laughs> and they want to challenge you a little bit like oh that is tough it is tough. Mm-hmm. but it, it's important that in mind because when i am complaining about the dishes i've got to kind of you know be apprehensive with it where it's like all right does it make more sense to stir the pot over these dishes where he's going to tell me i'm just being you know psycho about my hospital grade of cleaning or do i let <laughs> this go these kids leave tomorrow. So like, why do this? You know? Right. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, basically it taught me to use my battles, which has been helpful. It's 
taught me the main thing has been to pause. Like, pause. Don't just blurt out what's on your mind. Um, and let him parent his own kids. Because here's the thing. If he, like how you guys always say you can't care more than the bio parent. Look, I flat out told him when I met him long before I even knew about Nacho. I said, listen, you need to stop cursing in front of your kids all the time. Because if they bring a dude home when they're 21, that's 25, and he's dropping F-bombs in front of you, you're going to feel disrespected. But you're teaching them this behavior. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I mentioned this because I'm telling him how to parent. Now, that wasn't something that brought me stress. But had he decided not to stop doing that in front of his kids, what can I do about it? You know what I mean? Nothing. Like, nothing. And to be honest with you, I was, they were 10 and 11 when I told them that. So they're probably still going to do it anyway. Yeah. So I don't know. Now, the Academy, oh, I brought this up earlier and I want to kind of come back to it um, because oftentimes I, I do have uh, a, a time when I see people type in in the Facebook group and they're asking about, you know, the Nacho Kids method. And then somebody will jump in and they'll say, well, it's disengaging. Take a second and talk about how that that small piece of disengaging is is not what the entire Nacho Kids method is all about. Oh man, to say that not doing is disengaging is basically being lazy with the response. No offense to anybody that has described it that way, but um, there's way too much that it entails to just call it disengaging. Not to mention disengaging can be um, missed or can it, there's a that's too much perception left to people to just say disengaged because look my stepfather disengaged with me but i'm sure anybody that's listening to this can know that ignoring a you know 13 year old girl that says good morning that's not positive so i think if no, that's going, rude if you're going right and it's also hurtful and mean and frankly if i'm telling you the truth i thought it would be emotional um Mm -hmm. I think that if you're going to talk about disengaging with not doing, you have to say positive disengagement with tools that teach you how to support that. And what I mean by that is I didn't just like when I talk about pausing, that has nothing to do with disengaging, disengaging with my stepkids. Nothing. Um, I think that there's life skills that sometimes you have to, you know, go to some, you know, retreat or pay group or even a therapist, uh, like a bunch of money to learn that you can learn through this academy that you can't, that you don't just have to apply it to your relationship with your stepkids, but you can apply it with your husband. You can apply it to work. Um, one of the videos on there you talked about, I think it's called the five, um, it's, it's losing me a little bit right now, but it basically talks yeah, about- Yeah, the fives. I love the fives. That's yeah. my favorite video. You talk about how- you know, if there's something, it talks about procrastination, but also pausing. And what I mean by that is you, it gives you a minute to pause and think about, is this something you, that will matter down the line? Um, or is this something I need to hop up and do right now? And the, one of the examples you gave was working out. Like, I'm sure everybody at some point has said, yep, going to get up, work out. And then you wait too long and then you don't. However, if you take a minute and wait, and I think just like I was saying about the dishes, you know, all, you know, I'm pissed about these dishes. But at the end of the day, like nobody's thinking about these dishes right now. Like it didn't matter. Um, so that might not be the best example, but I guess what I'll say is this. Yes, there's some disengaging with not doing, 
if you want to. One of the things that I learned from listening to the calls that we've been on is it's not just disengaging, but it's disengaging in areas that bring you stress that you could kind of mend over time and re-engage. You know, like I, I've even done that with my stepdaughters to a degree. Like for a while there, I disengaged from them where I basically treated them like if, you know, they had a friend visiting for a sleepover. That's how I was treating them. I wasn't ignoring them, but I kept everything very surface level and cordial. So yeah, when they want to talk to me about politics in the United States, I'm probably going to change the subject because normally they say something that pisses me off because it's been regurgitated from something they heard in their other household in which nobody's American. So I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, there were things I would disengage with topic of discussion. Um, I would disengage in certain activities. Um, I, I, it used to bother me when my husband would do things with just them. It bothered me because I felt left out. But instead of feeling left out, I changed my perception. And I would go to brunch with my friends. I would take my little baby and go do something with her. And um, it helped everybody because it's important for him to have his own thing with his kids. And I had to accept, and this again was something else I learned talking with you guys, that my husband essentially has two families. He does. He has a family with them, maybe even three, depending on how you look at it. He has a family with his two girls. He has a family with me and my daughter, and then he has all of us together when we're all together. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to look yeah, at it, and, that they, way. and they all right, and they all have to be treated differently they in some do. ways. They do, and that took some emotional growth on my part that I did learn from talking with you guys. Because at first I was kind of like, "Well, this sucks. I've only got one family," you know. But mm-hmm. actually, I've changed my perception, and when I see him dealing with whatever it is, sometimes it's funny to watch sometimes it's sad to watch sometimes it's angry to watch but it's nice to just watch you know i don't need to get all involved when his kids are acting crazy and i really Mm -hmm. do just want to be supportive and what i've learned is not just about disengagement it's about learning how to support your partner it's learning how to manage your emotions it's learning how to re-engage once you've learned how to manage stress and essentially, it gives you like a little toolbox and you pick them out when you need to. And when you don't know what to do, and you, or if you've been lazy like me, you don't watch everything, you just go on the calls and talk to you guys and get this, you know, amount of advice that honestly, I would pay a lot more to a therapist. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely would. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, we do like to call it tactical disengagement. Yeah. Because it's it's not just as simple as going, hey, I'll disengage. I mean, there are some some tactics to it. Um, but I think one reason why people probably grab onto that is because that is kind of the the thing that takes the pressure off quickly. Yeah. And uh, it, it's good and it's bad. It's good because they find something that works and it works quickly. Mm-hmm. But the bad thing is oftentimes people stop right there. It's like, oh, finally, the pressure's off. And they stop. Right. And no, they don't. It's work. It's constant work. And I, I right. don't want to cut you off, David, but if I could just tell you my goodbye, my last time seeing the girls, I hadn't seen the girls in five and a half. Um, and then before we left Hong Kong, we were all together so that we could say goodbye and talk about the plans for the future. Had I not 
been given the tools that I had with you guys, I would not have been able to even interact with them. And that's the, that's the honest to God truth, because there would have been way too much me that I was thinking about. Basically, I wouldn't have cared about, it was about supporting Connor that day. You know what I mean? Um, and it was mm -hmm. about taking myself out of it. Because frankly, Connor's probably not going to see his kids for maybe another four to five months. Yes, they're talking. Yes, they're FaceTiming. But I can't imagine what that must feel like for him. It is what's best for everyone right now. But if I had have made that day about me, it would have been um, catastrophic and probably made it mm -hmm. where the kids wouldn't want to come and visit us anytime soon. If, and listen, you know, I have, I have the other thing that I've learned in the academy that's popping up for me right now is also that resentment helps nobody. Resentment is a relationship killer. It's a joy stealer. And um, because my thing is resentment. Like I can justify resenting everything and everybody. And you guys have called me to the carpet several times and basically been like, you know, almost like, how's that working? You know? <laughs> and it's like when I sit there and I talk about, you know, this stuff that I, you know, my husband gets to have me without all that garbage that I have to deal with with him. Just even having that type of uh, attitude towards it, all it does is hurt us in the end. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So you guys have really, really helped me learn, look, it's all right to be upset for a minute. But like, how much energy are you really going to give that? You know? Yes. So anybody that thinks that not showing is just disengaging where you essentially emotionally walk away from a huge part of your life, it's, it's not that. If anything, disengaging is what you do so that you can have a moment to collect yourself before you actually start using the tools in the academy to essentially rebuild something that's broken, which is why we all start with this in the first place. I don't know about you, but I'll, well, I do think that you and I are similar in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. I was always the person that said what everybody else was afraid to say. I said what I was thinking. I didn't have the filter. And so when I started nachoing, it's almost like I was like, well, wait a minute. I'm losing my power. No, yes. I was gaining power. Yes, 100%. There is so much power in learning how to hold your tongue. And I am telling you, Lori, we have laughed about this before because you get it. When I'm, when Connor and I did that call together, I know that you guys got to see like how it, we can have our nice witty banter, but I'm sure you can see that with the right topic, it could go left quick. So, um, oh yeah, yeah, I think we're definitely similar in that. And I was really grateful that there was somebody that was as boisterous as you involved in this <laughs> thing because I'll be real with you, very rarely. I relate to people in that. Like, I am always the person. I've been fired from more jobs than I can tell you because I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, well, this is what everybody thinks, and everybody is thinking it, and I'm the one that's saying it. So they cut me while everybody else still gets paid. So you mm -hmm. know, um, yeah. No, I mean, I see it now. Like, I'm telling you, when my stepdaughters came to see us, and one of them said. I want to drink champagne and I can see that she's saying things to, to rile him up. I learned something about him as well. He knows how to be uh, quiet. He knows how to do it because I would have taken that bait and ran with it. Oh, really? That's what you want to do. Blah, blah, blah. 
And then it would have been, it would have been a fight, period, between either me and the, or him and I, or it would have just been tense energy. But you know what? Instead, I just shut my mouth and we were able to enjoy the visit, even with the little bits of bait that probably any teenager would put out there, not just my stepkids. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting too that when people have been in the academy long enough, they hit this certain plateau where, at least for me, I can see that they they really have grasped everything that's happening. And they make a comment, which you actually made right before we hit record today. And uh, we've heard this before from people who have been in there long enough and have done it long enough. And you made the comment that you're starting to figure out that this is not just a method it's a lifestyle a hundred percent and and the thing is it's one of those things where you got to basically i mean look you always hear people say oh relationships are work relationships are work they are and you know my thing is is i think that all of us are in this and have found that it's worth it um and that's why we're here but i want to continue to work on my relationship with not just my husband but my stepkids too because that's just going to help everything else in the end. When it's all said and done, and I think about my daughter, you know, because there was a part of me for a while there that was like, you know what, I don't even want them to have anything to do with her because I was angry that they had an opportunity to bond with their brother, but not my daughter. But then when I really thought about it, what's best for her? You know what I mean? What's that? And actually, right. I should probably share this with you guys too. I, I was completely estranged from my half sister that's 17 years younger than me. Um, and it was us having this discussion on one of our calls once where I was kind of, where you guys were basically saying like, it was almost like the, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be happy thing? And we were having that conversation and it actually led me to start a dialogue with my half sister. So again, this has nothing to do with my stepkids. But I realized that my half-sister is a byproduct of my father's second marriage, and she doesn't have any other siblings, which is exactly what my situation is with my daughter. So um, I am grateful, and it's one of those other examples where something that I've learned through this lifestyle, I've applied to other things that have nothing to do with my stepkids, because I could see that my little sister has kind of been on her own because of the, the relationship that's bad between my stepmother and I. So I'm working extra hard to mend things and have a good relationship with my stepdaughters because it'll be impossible for them to get along with my daughter if they have a bad relationship with me because she's me. Right. You know? I am so glad that you reached out to your half-sister. I am too, you know? And um, it's funny because she's young and like, it's it's just, it's just weird. Like when I talk to her, I'm just like, all right, you don't really know anything about anything, but I guess that's how I was through <laughs> at 21. So, um, yeah, it's been really, uh, it's been helpful in more aspects of my life than not. So, you know, I don't mean to like keep pumping it up, but I just, even if you aren't looking to like have, you know, a huge lifestyle change and do all this work, having you guys to talk to was, uh, instrumental in me just having sanity because especially because I was living somewhere where there were no other stepmom, there were no therapists that had any idea about what blended families were. And the one therapist that I found was a woman that said, well, you knew what you were getting into. I just pushed, <laughs> I pushed my seat back, I stood up and I was like, goodbye. 
So, uh, yeah, it was. Just, <laughs> I'm not showing you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It was just really. Um, I'm actually glad I got a chance to talk to you guys because I don't think you were actually aware of how those calls um, have been as helpful as they were. Like to the point where my husband would be like, "When's your next nacho call?" <laughs> oh wow. Right. <laughs> I know we enjoy them because it's so much more interactive than replying on a Facebook message or even email because it's more personal and we can talk about something in 15 minutes that would take hours to communicate across email or text messages. Right. Yeah. And plus you get to kind of see the emotional state of everything. And one thing I really love about you is I can always tell that when you're taking the information in mm-hmm. and you're, and you're taking that information and going, okay, how does this apply to me? <laughs> and, and, and you kind of, I can see it on your face where you're like plugging it in and going, okay, what is this going to look like when I do this? You got to apply it. Yeah. I can, but I can see you doing that mentally, like right there and there. I see you doing this. You're taking it to the next step in your mind. And, uh, it's very interesting to watch. And you always took notes during the call. (laughs) Well, that's because I, like I said, I'm a control freak, but (laughs) yeah. Well, I know what David's saying though, because when you would start thinking, it's almost like this bubble would come up above your head. Like, Oh, I'm thinking, how, wait, this applies this way. This applies this way. Yeah. And honestly, yep. there, I will say this as well. When there's other couples on the call, um, it's one of those things where it would be easy to say, oh, that's so different than me. Uh, that's not my situation. But honestly, I've never heard anybody, even if they've got, you know, five kids from one marriage and four from another, and, you know, everybody's completely different than my scenario. There's always that commonality of whatever we're struggling with. It's always the same. Everybody's dealing with the same thing, which is why the basis of the, like the tools that you guys kind of teach us, they work for everybody, you know? So yeah, it's a good thing. So yeah, I'm really glad yeah. I got a chance to talk to you guys today so that I could actually say thank you. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you. Um, I remember in the beginning, I referred to you as the Hong Kong chick. Oh yeah. <laughs> At least you didn't call her Hong Kong fooey. Yeah, Hong Kong fooey. That's funny. <laughs> But now I'm in Australia, so we'll see how this goes. <laughs> She's the Joey chick now. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, where are you originally from? I'm originally from LA. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm a Cali girl through and through. And um, basically, I don't know why I just was like, yeah, I'm going to go check out living overseas. And it's just been that way since 2006. I've lived in a lot of different places. Wow. I do want to bring up something that came about on the very first call, because I think it was I think it was a, a a switch that went off in your head when I said this, but you you were kind of talking about the things, and you mentioned it earlier where you kept saying, "Oh man, it's the problem is with me, and and the problem is with how I'm looking at things," and and then you were like, "Man, it it sucks being the one that is is the problem." Right. And I remember saying to you, "If the problem was somebody else, you wouldn't be able to do anything about it. You should be thankful that you're the part of the problem because you can fix that." Yes, I agree with that. Because if it, if, if it wasn't, but that's one of those things where it's almost like if you can change it and you have the power to change it, then go ahead and change it. And that's just you. There's, I can't change Connor. I can't change his kids. So, um, but yeah, I mean, obviously it was really confronting because in my mind, I thought I'm the one that made all the good choices and, you know, you brought these bad children into my life and all this <laughs> drama, but honestly, perception. All it needed is just a couple of perception shifts, a couple of thought changes, a couple of pauses, 
and life became manageable again. Yes. And a big part of it is changing your perception. It really is. Yeah. Because I used to get stressed out every other weekend when they were going to come. And like, I mean, we would basically, I could, I could tell you when Connor and I's next argument would be, it would either be the Thursday before they came or the Sunday, the, the Sunday night before they left on Monday, always, every single time. And when I saw the pattern, I was just like, this is ridiculous. You know, like you mm-hmm. shouldn't be having like massive arguments with the person that you care about that often, if you can help it. I remember you saying something about we fight half the time. Yeah. And that sucks, especially because like, you know, listen, if I was going to just settle for, you know, not great, I could have gotten married a long time ago. I'm like, this is crazy. I certainly didn't wait to almost, you know, have a baby almost 40 years old and get married in my mid thirties so that I could, you know, fight with my husband every day. I really tried to be as careful as possible. But again, let's not forget that dog really is to blame. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, I, I want to congratulate you for all the work you've put into it. You know, we can give you all the tools in the world, but I mean, you're, you're the one doing all the work. And, and so, you know, you're doing a great job with that. And, and also, you know, what tools to use because, you know, I could give you a hammer, but if you're going to hit a screw with it, then that doesn't really work very well. No, I guess it doesn't. You know, but I, I got, I got a long way to go though. Still, I do. <laughs> Cause I did still act crazy this morning. I just, I just reeled it in a lot earlier than I would have before. <laughs> but look at the progress you've made. That's true. Before you would still be mad tonight about what happened this morning. Hundred percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 frankly, anybody who's honest with themselves would they should say that there's always work to be done. Yeah. Right. I do have one question for you before we let you go. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of times where the stepmom is reluctant to see that she's part of the problem. It's I don't know if it's she's just oblivious to it. Um, just wants to blame somebody else. What was that clicking point or switching point with you to where you were like, wait a minute, I have control of things in this situation to where I could change the dynamics or when you did realize that, that you didn't look at it as a negative thing? Well, I think that has a lot to do. I think that will be for some people than others. Um, And I think that's going to have a lot to do with how honest you are with yourself, because essentially every problem, and this is just my, my perspective, obviously, but every problem in your life, it's impossible for it to be a hundred percent somebody else. You know what I mean? Like I could easily look at my husband and say, well, if you didn't have these kids and if you didn't have this, you didn't have that. But at the end of the day, I picked them. It's no different than when he's looking at me complaining about, you know, maybe how one of his daughters is acting. And I know that they're acting just like their mom. I'm like, you picked her. You can't have, you know, (laughs) like you can't have kids with somebody that if they end up like the person you had them with, you're not going to, you know, you're going to be upset about it. That's just the way it is. Um, You know, my daughter is already displaying certain behaviors that are just like me that I know my husband's like, oh Lord, this is, this is full on. Like this is a lot. And if she grows up and you know, I have to tell her the same thing 16 times before she's actually listening to me. And I know that's exactly how her dad is. What am I supposed to do? So when it comes to like a... You laugh and cry at the same time. Pretty much. But like if, it, if I was really talking to another stepmom um, or just like, I don't know, if I was talking to anybody that was saying, you know, it's them, it's them, it's them. 
you know, I don't have any part in this. You have to have a part in it because you're there. You know, um, there's very, very few circumstances other than like getting kidnapped that like you're going to be able to say you had no part in it whatsoever. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to beat yourself up about it. But the sooner you can get to the realization of accepting, you know, listen, not necessarily, and I don't want to come off as one of those people that are saying, listen, you had a choice because I hate when people say that to me too. Because yes, I had a mm-hmm. choice of being with a man with two kids, but I also didn't have a crystal ball or else he would not know me. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. But like when it comes down to it, it's all about my peace of mind. That's what it, that's what clicked for me. Because you guys talked to me and were like, listen, if you are able to just shift your perception a little bit. And the, uh, the best example I can give for my situation was when I mentioned when my husband would go and do things with his kids, I used to feel excluded. But then I started to feel like, you know what? Let them go do their thing and I can do my thing. It's fine. And there were also times where we did things together. We didn't always have to do anything the same way. So I guess if I was to answer your questions like more poignantly and say, how did I know that I was part of the problem? It's because I was so desperate to find out what the problem was that I was even willing to look at myself. That's it. That's what it is. You nailed it on the head. I knew I should ask you that because you would be able to phrase it the way that I've been trying to come to in my head of how, how do you explain this? And the fact that it's not that it's our fault, but we are contributing factors. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, it's no different than when I made the dishes a huge deal. Of course, I have a right to have the dishes a certain way in my house, but like nothing's perfect. And look, people talk a lot in groups that I've seen saying, well, if your bio child did blah, 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 I don't know. It's not my bio kid doing that. I'm annoyed by this specific situation. So what can I do to shift my thinking where I'm not? That's all there can be. I mean, I'm either going to accept it and learn how to be happy with what I've got, or I'm going to be mad a lot arguing with my husband. And in another blended family, because I couldn't make this one work. You know? <laughs> Amen. Yep. Yeah. But perception is reality. It is 100%. Somebody's. <laughs> yeah. When you change your perception, you change your reality. And that's what you've done. Yeah. Well, but this always gets me. And I've said this before, is if something happens, my perception is one thing. David's perception is another thing. What is the true reality? Yours, obviously yours. (laughs) Yeah, yours is true to you and mine's true to me. (laughs) That's right. I'm just living in your world. (laughs) Exactly. See how much he's learned, Ariana? Aren't you proud of him? You've seen him grow in the last year, too. Sure have. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we want to go ahead and uh, and let you go, but we definitely appreciate having you on the show and and talking about your experience. And and thanks for filling us in about how the Academy's helped you, because even though we can see things progressing. Oftentimes we don't know, you know, all the story behind how it's, how it's taken you from, you know, that, what was that you said? Looking like you came out of the gutters. Drain. <laughs> yeah. I was going to yeah. say, she said drain, not gutter. We don't have drains over here. We have gutters. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, but you, you know, you came in somebody who like, they didn't have any hope at all till now you're like, dude, I've got this. I'm doing good. I'm, I've got the tools. I know where to go to get the help I need. And, and even though I'm still working on everything, at least, you know, I've found a place to make it work. Yeah. And uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity to even talk about it. It gives, it allows me to kind of go back where I've come from and where I still would like to go. And yeah, I really do appreciate having an opportunity 
hopefully help anybody else that listens. And you make sure that you tell Connor hello for us and that we look forward to him being on a coaching call soon. There you go. We will. Thank you so much. Thank you. So we're going to try something new with our outro. Okay. We are going to share testimonials. Okay. Just one? Just one. (laughs) I mean, we're already kind of long on the intros, David. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, that's the only time you and I get to talk. (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, I think getting close to three hours on a podcast is a little lengthy. Uh, But it's so worth it. Okay. This testimonial was in our Facebook group. And it says, I love my stepkids. I nacho my stepkids. And this has led to a dramatic increase in affection between us. I'm no longer a target for them. And their mother cannot accuse me of trying to take her place as I no longer parent them at all. I cook for them, provide them comfort, love, shop for them, clean up after them, albeit begrudgingly. (laughs) But I am not mom. And that is okay. That is a good one. It is. And see, a lot of the difference here with this lady. And myself was, I didn't cook for your kids because it caused me tremendous stress. <laughs> it still caused you stress. I, well, I don't like to cook on a good day. And <laughs> the fact that they would be like, that looks like dog food. No, that's why I did not cook for my stepkids anymore. <laughs> At times, I did not shop for them because to me, they needed to learn to appreciate me. And they did that by learning that they were not getting honeycombs unless. I went grocery shopping and bought it for them because you didn't. That's right. And this reminds me of something that somebody said to me the other day that, and I know you did this, was if the kids would be like, oh, I'm so glad we've got honeycombs. You would say, well, you need to thank Lori. She's the one that got them. Yeah. Or if I actually bought something for the kids, I'd say, here, I got this for them. You'd be like, no, you give it to them. Yeah. Oh, I remember that frequently. That, you know, you didn't really want to have an interaction with them. And so you'd be like, here, I got, I bought everybody a candy bar. And I'm like, well, then you give it to them. And, you know, there needs to be that positive interaction there. Right. And so you'd be like, okay. <laughs> well, and honestly, when I bought them a candy bar, sometimes it was because I bought my son one and I didn't want to leave them out because I just thought that was rude. Right. I, I, yeah. I don't if think they you were, were here. I don't think you were doing it to get on their good side. I think you were doing it just because it was, you were trying to be fair. Right. And, and not, have Jackson pointed out as, you know, the the favorite golden child. Yeah, not have Jackson run around going, I got a candy bar, you did. That's right. So, but yeah, that's, you know, we started doing that way. And then eventually it got to the point where they understood, hey, if I want something, you know, from the grocery store that I really like, I got to be nice to Lori to get it. Mm-hmm. Bribery, folks. Yep. That's all it is, is bribery. <laughs> and whatever works. <laughs> <laughs> but they also learned very quickly, if you left an empty cereal box in the pantry, you weren't getting that cereal. Because in my eyes, that box was slap full. Yep. If it's still there, then apparently you still have some. Exactly. (laughs) But I love how this lady talks about that by her nachoing her stepkids has led to a dramatic increase in affection between them. Oh, yeah, it does. That's that's what happened to us. It's um, it's amazing that it's almost like night and day how I was with your kids prior to nacho versus how I am now. Oh, yeah. It is night and day. Yep. You know, instead of them wanting to kill me, they're wanting to show me something good they did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. And I no longer worry about them trying to burn me at the stake. Yeah, I know your son does that to me a lot. It's like, David, come here, look at this. David, come here, look at this. David. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got a good relationship, and I'm thankful for that. Of course. But you nacho him in certain ways. Oh, I have to. Now, <laughs> let's just clarify, though. 
you never got to the point with my son that I was with your kids. I, Jackson's never hated you. You've never hated him kind of thing. Um, I mean, I know there's times that you both have not been happy with each other, but <laughs> it wasn't that bad to where you had to disengage fully for a year to heal from the hurt and the pain and the resentment. But you nacho him when it comes to discipline. Yep. Chores. Is, is that a thing? <laughs> Don't roll your eyes at me. <laughs> Homework and school. What else? Anything I can get by with. Yeah, pretty much. But he knows that you are there for him if he needs anything. Yeah. 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 I keep his little business going. Yeah. <laughs> My little entrepreneur. Yeah. So y'all have found something to bond over, the mm-hmm. entrepreneurship. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I'm thankful that you and Jackson have the relationship that y'all have. It makes me happy to see him share things with you and you help him with things and so. Yeah. Anyway, well, I do think it's easier when it's a guy and um and the kids a, a male. I think those are the easiest dynamics. Well, I believe it was Ron Deal that talked about the difference with a stepdad and a stepmom. Mm-hmm. I mean, we knew that before he said that, but very rarely do stepdads have the same issues that stepmoms have in a blend. Yeah. Stepmoms oftentimes have issues with the stepkids, at least they feel that way, and the stepdad has issues with the stepmom. <laughs> For having issues with the stepkids. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, it's a vicious cycle. Not that it's always that way. We do have some men in the Facebook group that have issues. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm just saying that um, oftentimes those stepmoms look at stepdads and go, oh, y'all have it easy. You know, uh, there's you don't have a lot to have to deal with, or or how is it that you nacho so easily? Or because normally men are not involved in the caregiving of children. Yeah, but we also don't swoop in trying to save the day. Okay, folks, that's this uh, <laughs> the end of this. <laughs> Again, <What>? DavidHaters.com. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Well, women like to have control and fix things well, and make things better. And and in doing all that, you do the opposite sometimes. All right, that's our show for today, folks. <laughs> He's getting ready to get shot with a little Nerfy. <laughs> I got my own. Go ahead. All right. Is that, that's our show for today, folks, before I get shot again. <laughs> all right. Make sure you join us next week as we hear from somebody else who's going cray-cray. David. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go, y'all. <laughs> All right, bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.